You're listening to Earshot from WXXI News. I'm Veronica Volk. This week, music therapy can help Parkinson's patients move around. It pushes me to a point where I'm at my edge, and that's the best thing the exercise does. And a local group has made it their mission to pray for every homicide victim in Rochester. An important message is that we are all community. All that from your local news podcast, Earshot. Support for Earshot from WXXI News is provided by Rock Vox Recording and Production, presenting Legacy Cast. Audio and video recordings of loved ones telling their stories for posterity. Produced in a full-service studio located in Bushnell's Basin. More at rocvox.com. I know there's a National Appreciation Day for everything. Dogs, siblings, even lima beans and ballpoint pens. But when I heard that a class at Nazareth College was recognizing National Bubble Wrap Day, I had to check it out. There's just something really satisfying about the snap of popping bubble wrap. So it makes sense that this group of percussionists would want to integrate it into their music. That's Braylon Kolvenbach on a marimba that is covered in a sheet of bubble wrap. Her professor, Kristen Shiner-McGuire, is the coordinator of percussion studies and the program manager for music business at Nazareth. And when she learned that it was National Bubble Wrap Day, she jumped at the chance to encourage her students to experiment with it. And I'm always up for um, interesting, innovative things to do. Shiner McGuire says this class experiments with all kinds of objects in their music, like Altoid tins and coffee cans. But there is a serious side to this lesson. Meredith Conklin is a music therapy major. Percussionists and music therapists alike both need to be able to use the resources around them and whatever they may have available to them to serve the therapeutic purpose. So I think bubble wrap is a nice resource that we could integrate into music therapy and percussion. So while Conklin and her fellow students are popping bubble wrap with mallets, cymbals, and drums, they're also learning how they might create music therapy experiences for future clients. Because music therapy can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes— from helping nonverbal kids express emotion to helping hospice patients relieve stress. In fact, my colleague Raquel Steven visited another clinic using music therapy. This one was to help Parkinson's patients get some exercise. She has this story. Over at Nazareth College at the York Wellness and Rehabilitation Institute building, a room on the second floor is full of a rendition of old-time rock and roll. It's a combination of music and physical therapy for Parkinson's patients, like John Robinson. He was diagnosed in 2017. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm looking for um, um, solutions to the Parkinson's. And one solution is participating in these therapy clinics once a week. And that's one of the things about Parkinson's, you got to move. And he's right. 
According to the Parkinson's Foundation, increasing physical activity to at least two and a half hours a week can slow the progression of the disease. And that's what folks are doing in this clinic. Stomping, waving their arms, clapping to the beat. Robinson says he's not really a music person, but the rhythm makes him do more. With the music, you've got a beat going, uh, songs that you recognize. And with that recognition, I feel I've been able to move my legs better because I'm trying to go with the beat. And what's more recognizable than the hokey pokey? Students in the college's Health and Human Service School run the clinic, which is supervised by faculty members. The music therapy students play the instruments and lead the sing-alongs, while physical therapy students choreograph the movements. Our students are using their skills, developing their skills, while they're serving members of the community. Kathy Rasmussen is the interim dean for the School of Health and Human Services. She says the clinics are here to serve the Rochester community, those who are uninsured or underinsured. If someone is presenting with a condition that our students are prepared to work with, then we're, we're able to add them to our, our, our clinic rosters and, have, and see them on a semester basis. Jemai Thomas is a first-year graduate student in the physical therapy program. He's been leading the exercise portion of the dual clinic. He says there are two main goals. It's important for us to make sure that they're enjoying themselves and that we're also improving them as we go on. Earlier in the COVID-19 pandemic, the therapy sessions were moved online. Now that some things are back in person, musical therapist Mackenzie Lyon says it's much easier to see how clients are progressing. She says it's very rewarding. Once we add music and just seeing what it like op the doors it opens up, um, it's really amazing and it just makes the the whole environment more enjoyable and they just love what they do the minute that the music starts. Tom Krieger can attest to that. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's a little over two years ago, and this is his third session at the clinic. Yeah, as long as I keep exercising, I'm okay. That's the important part. Krieger is a former radio operator, and he says the music part of therapy makes him nostalgic. I've, I found that nothing else I can always have the Beatles or the 60s music come out. It's amazing how much I remember, how much I forget, too. But that was my, the 1960s were my, my best year for music. It's also the part of the therapy that cheers him up and has a lot to do with the progress he's made. It pushes me to a point where I'm at my edge, and that's the best thing the exercise does. If I'm too lazy and I don't do it, it's not good. But for now, everything's good with Krieger, Robinson, and their other friends at the Nazareth Parkinson's Therapy Clinic. Raquel Steven is a reporter for WXXI News. Awesome job, everyone. Hi, this is Evan Dawson from WXXI. And if you're enjoying Earshot, then you'll want to subscribe to our other podcast, Connections with Evan Dawson. That's me. On the podcast, you can catch up on discussions about current events, arts, politics, and interesting people. Subscribe to Connections with Evan Dawson, where you subscribe to Earshot from WXXI News.
with shootings and homicides in Rochester at a record high last year. One group has made it their mission to visit every memorial site and pray for the victims. David Andrietta is the editor of City News. He has this story. Donna Ecker stood with two friends outside the Goldmore Mini Mart on a frigid day in January. She was in tears when she clasped her hands and bowed her head in prayer. A mother should never bury her child, God. We beg you for peace on our streets. Five days earlier, Julius Greer Jr. had stumbled into the store at the corner of North and Herald Streets with a single gunshot wound in his back. He was 14 years old, the eldest of four siblings, and would become the city's first homicide victim of the year. Ecker was there with two friends, Catholic deacons John Krigo and Ed Knopf, and they came to answer their ministry's calling to visit the sites of slayings in the city and pray for the victims and their families. With the idea to um, reconsecrate the ground and to uh, be a presence in the neighborhood, to let the neighbors know that there are those who uh, support them, who worry about them, and who are uh, also concerned about what's happening with the violence. So, When they arrived at the corner that day, there was a collection of votive candles on the sidewalk, slick with ice, black and red balloons fluttering from a no-parking sign. Leftover yellow police tape clung to a utility pole. But what caused Ecker to well up were the words of a woman who had pulled her car to the curb to attach a bouquet of artificial flowers to the no parking sign with a twist tie. I don't know him, but um, that's my grandson. Oh, my condolences to you. Thank you, baby. I lost my son a couple months ago. It's almost been two months, and um, just my heart goes out to him and y'all family. Her name was Ho Jin, and her son was Taiwan Harper. He was 22 when he was shot and killed in a stairwell in an apartment building on Chestnut Street in November. The people in the prayer group nodded. They remembered Taiwan. They had prayed for him and another man who died with him in that stairwell, Malachi Smith, who was 19. Hojin paid her respects before driving away. My, my pain goes out to the family. I, I just want yes. to go. Thank you. Ecker, Krigo, and Knopf are part of a small ministry of Catholic faithful who hold vigils for homicide victims. These days, they're busy. Homicides in Rochester hit an all-time high last year with 81. Those in the ministry prayed for all the dead, and their families, and their perpetrators, and their neighborhoods. They learn about the slayings from the news, then schedule a gathering at the site to pray for grace and peace. Knopf says visiting the site's also makes him feel closer to the victims. It doesn't necessarily happen if, if I just read about it in the paper, if I see it on the news. If I go to the site, I've been to, um, I was at one in the wintertime, there was still blood in the snow. Um, and that's, it becomes real. It's just not just somebody else. It's, you start feeling the fact that it's all of us who are Hurt. Not, I mean, there's certainly the victim, but it's all of us, the perpetrator, the family, the neighborhood, particularly the neighborhoods. Most of the locations of the crimes are in neighborhoods whose residents are predominantly black and Hispanic and poor. Members of the ministry are older and white. 
While they do not live in most of the neighborhoods they visit, they have worked for or with many of their residents in some capacity for years. Still, they say sometimes during their prayers they're told by passersby to get lost or that they don't belong here. But they persevere, they say, because they believe their work is important and that they are more often than not welcomed by residents. Ecker says they frequently attempt to coordinate their prayers with relatives of the deceased and that they sometimes join them. The family of Julius Greer did that day. An important message is that we are all community, that we are all part of this community. David Andrietta is the editor of City News. And that's it for Earshot. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast, rate us, and give us a review. It'll help other people find us. And find even more local news at our website, wxxinews.org. Music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and Poddington Bear. I'm Veronica Volk. Thanks for listening. This program is a production of member-supported WXXI Public Broadcasting, Rochester, New York.